Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. I've got my reading glasses on, so I can't actually see you right now. It's probably, it's actually, I should just lend them to you. That might be better. Um, yeah, as Matt said, I'm Rowena, and I work here at St Saviour's, looking after evangelism. Um, and so we've been working our way through, well, we just started, really, in Revelation, which made some people go, ooh, as soon as we started, but it's awesome. So I got given this week is Revelation 2, 12 to 17. And um, this is what it said. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in a city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. And Revelation is an awesome book of the Bible, but it can be a bit scary the first time you read it. Um because it's full of really dramatic imagery of like beasts and weird things and proper bold speaking. And it was written to help the Christians of the time remain faithful to God, even when they were faced with fierce persecution and even death. And at the time it was written, the world was a hostile and place and appeared to be winning the battle. I don't think much has changed, do you? I think that's still now. I think as much as we think that was written just for that church so we can excuse it and go, well, it doesn't mean us. I think it does. I think it's for now too. And the more I read the Bible, the more I realize that we still live in that world that is hostile to Christianity. But what the book of Revelation actually brings is hope. It helped those Christians to stand firm because they knew the end of the story, that Jesus Christ and his saints are victorious. Yay! And that's what it does for us too. This church in Pergamum is described as living in the city where Satan has his throne. Can you imagine? Don't put that on right move. You'd be like, I imagine it looks a bit like a Yates's wine lodge on a Saturday night when the three for one offers are on. And I'm pretty sure I witnessed Satan's playground when I went to the Reading Festival with Bella. It made my old raving days look positively tame. I'm just saying thanks. <laughs> She's sliding down her seat. Not my fault. But on a more serious note, because Satan does both things, doesn't he? There's utter carnage, but there's also a lot of charming wooing that goes on through stuff, which is the wine lodge analogy. But on a more serious note, there are countries in the world that could be described as having Satan's throne right at their heart. 
war-torn, dictator-led, brutal, Christian, banning countries, yet countries full of faithful Christians living and dying for him every single day. And just like their modern-day brothers and sisters in countries like North Korea, despite the fact that they lived in the place of Satan's throne, they didn't give up. That's what that verse just says. They remained loyal and refused to deny God, even when they saw another of his faithful witnesses killed. We have stories like that today. That rugby player with a beautiful name, Israel, posted a Bible verse on his Facebook. Well, actually, it was Instagram because he's young, whatever. He's not an old woman, so he's not on Facebook. He posted it on Instagram, and they sacked him. But not before they said to him, if you take it down, because that's what Satan does, if you take it down, you can keep your job. And he said something much more polite than I would have said in that time, and he said, no. And I found his quote this morning. Because what he said was, as Australians, we are born with certain rights, including the right to freedom of religion, the right to freedom of expression. The Christian faith has always been part of my life, and I believe it's my duty as a Christian to share God's word. Wow. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? He said, the way Satan works is he offers you stuff that could look good to the eye and makes you feel comfortable. If you follow that path, all the worries and troubles will go away. But it is always the will of God that comes first. Boom. Funnily enough, didn't read that in the paper. And do you know what happened? He was sacked. And this morning, Australia woke up to a Christian prime minister they said would never get in. Go, God. Love it. I was like, boom, in your face. That is what God does when you don't follow his path. Sorry, I got all excited then. I know, they said it was a miracle, and I'm like, yeah, it was, because you messed with God. More seriously, equally last week, an 80-year-old pastor called Pierre was killed after church with four other members of his congregation in Burkina Faso. And we've got a photo of him. There he is. This is him. He is a real person. This was last week. This was in our time on our watch. A local leader who wished to remain anonymous was quoted in the World Watch Monitor as saying, the assailants asked the Christians to convert to Islam, but the pastor and the others refused. Reportedly, the attackers gathered Pastor Pierre and five other congregants under a tree, then confiscated their Bibles and cell phones. Then they called them one after the other behind the church building where they shot them dead, the leader said. In addition to Pastor Pierre, the attackers killed his son, Wend Cooney, his brother-in-law, a church deacon, Zoande, as well as believers, Sauba and Aruna, and a primary school teacher, Ellie. Another was seriously injured and taken to a nearby hospital. The men then set fire to the church building and two motorbikes on fire. Before they left, they stole sheep and a bag of rice from Pastor Pierre's home. I, that 
makes me angry to my core. And yet he stood there and said, no, I will not, I will not deny my God. I will not convert to a false God. I will stand firm. Wow. And I think we need to stop and just pray before we carry on. So let's bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you for the courage of Israel. We thank you for his courage at standing firm, even though it meant he lost his job and was mocked in the press. We know these things are just temporary things. They're not of you, Lord. And that your will will be done. We thank you for the work, the lifetime's work of Pastor Pierre. We thank you for the faithfulness of his congregation who stood with him. Father God, we pray for their families left behind. We pray that they will carry on the torch, the light that is Jesus Christ in the face of darkness. And we pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to rise up as brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the world where we can worship freely and proclaim the beauty of your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. And what would we do in that situation? What would we say? Would we say that? Or would we be like Peter who panicked when asked if he was one of Jesus' followers? And I pray that we actually never have to make that choice. But for us, it's no different. We are still in a spiritual battle for our souls here. It just looks different. Do we fight for God in our everyday lives or do we deny him? How do we deny him? We've already talked about when we did the Ten Commandments that we deny him through the worship of idols, by the multitude of things that we put in front of serving him. But what are the small, insignificant ways? What do we say about him on social media? Because the sad reality of social media is that a video of a dog doing something funny or a plate of food still gets more reaction and comment than 300 Christians being killed by a suicide bomber. Are we devoted to him or to tradition? Do we stand up for him when he's mocked? Do we stand up for persecuted Christians in public? Or do we just kind of lump that persecution in with other types of persecution? You know, kind of hiding Christianity in with other faiths. All faiths are being persecuted. Because when we do that, we're denying God. Does God's will for our life come above um, our own will for our life? Such a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? Let your will be done. Because his will might not look like the desperate thing we would like to happen next. Do people see Jesus in you and me and in our behavior? So what are the small compromises that we make that take us off the path just a little bit? Is it tweaking the theology of the Bible? You know, move with the times. Is it not reading your Bible at all? Maybe it's not spending any time with God. Maybe it's breaking the law, you know, when we go through a red light, speeding. Everybody does that, don't they? How about cash in hand? Flirting with someone who isn't your partner. Gossip. 
And the examples given in this passage are eating food offered to idols and committing sexual sin. Now, I have a story about those particular ones. Don't panic, it's about the food. I don't think anyone wants me to be talking about that. So I'll tell the story about the food instead. So we, in our family, quite like Costco occasionally, and um, Bella absolutely loves these chicken tenders, they were called. So whenever in there, you buy that 40-foot bag that they have that you can't actually fit in your freezer because it's so big. And I suddenly noticed above it, it said halal. And it didn't say that before. And I was like, what? And Bella's like, but they taste really nice, Mum. Why can't I? I said, we're not buying them. We're not. We had an interesting discussion in the middle of um, Costco about such things and about how does it matter? Does it matter where the meat came from? And do you know what halal meat is? Because I looked it up because I wanted to be sure before I said it. It is the meat of an animal that Islamic law permits Muslims to eat. And during the slaughter process, a dedication from the Quran is recited over the meat. So I don't want to put that in my mouth, apart from the fact I'm a vegetarian. But if I wasn't a vegetarian, I'm still not putting it in my mouth. So if there were halal corn chicken nuggets, I'm still not eating them. Because that has been sacrificed to a false god. Therefore, if I put it in my mouth, I'm agreeing with that. But don't worry, they taste nice. As harsh as it sounds, that is worshipping another god, a false god. It's a little slip off the thing. Can you imagine if I just introduced to Costco Christian-only meat? No, you can't, because it would never happen, would it? There'd be uproar. Every day we have to choose. Do we follow the world, the enemy, or Jesus? And we're being forced to make this decision more and more and more in our everyday lives like that rugby player. In Colossians it says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? The rules of the world are all right, aren't they? You're being too full-on row. You're too fundamental about it. You're taking the Bible way too seriously, way too literally, way too whatever fill in the gap yours is. I've heard all of these things about me to my face and otherwise. (laughs) But we only have to be one millimeter off course. One millimeter, and it changes the whole path of our journey, doesn't it? Because it may only be half a millimetre or one millimetre on day one, but by the end of the year, you've gone like this, off the path that God had planned for you. And the reason he had that path planned for you is because it what keeps you safe and it's what helps you to thrive. So it matters. It absolutely matters. And in Psalm 119, it says... You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right, you don't go off on your own, you walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribed the right way to live, now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Isn't that beautiful? So how do we follow God and not the world? Well, helpfully, 
miraculously, we have a Bible that has all the answers in it. Isn't it good? It's like God had a plan or something. It's awesome. And Revelation does that too in that very passage. We start by repenting. Sounds really harsh. It's saying sorry and determining to change our ways, just like Peter did. Remember I mentioned Peter. He denied Jesus three times through total fear, which is understandable. Hands up here who finds human fear really hard to difficult, uh, deal, deal with. I do, every day. But God, when he repented, the God who sees him for his potential and not his mistakes, that God, and that's how he looks at us, by the way, too, that God didn't just go, okay, well done, crack on for Jesus. He said he raised him up to be the leader of the first church, where when he preached, it pierced his heart. Somebody used that verse in our prayers this morning, and I giggled to myself because I thought, yay, I had that in my head. And it said it pierced their hearts, and 3,000 people came to faith. So our God is forgiving. He's a forgiving God who has a plan for us. So like it says in this verse of Revelation, we repent. And then it says in two, Revelation 2.17, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Yes! There's the answer. The helper God sent. The advocate Jesus promised. His Holy Spirit he didn't expect us to know how to do it. He sent us something to help us. To truly understand the beauty of this gift to us, I encourage you to read Romans 8 when you get home. Here's just a small bit of it. In verse 6 it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I mean, all of it is so good, but the final verse is just lovely. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So rather than this verse in Revelation being to condemn us, which by the way, that's not what God wants to do. He wants to convict us, not condemn us. It's to steer us back. It's to show us that God understands that every single day we are fighting our human nature. He loves us so much that instead he wants to give us Jesus Christ's nature. He wants us to be the person he uniquely loves. He wants us to be the person he created with a purpose and a calling. And we can only do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to add here, God prompted me to add it in the other day, that this is a journey I've been on with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit isn't a denominational choice. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, well, I go to this kind of church. It's quite high. We don't mess about the Spirit. That's for charismatic churches. So I realize that's been drip-fed into my head over the years in all four churches I've been in. You know, that we don't mess them out with the Spirit. That's for those kind of churches. And then when you read it, you go, duh. No, it's not a denominational choice. It's a command from God to be led by the Spirit. Because then we're operating in his strength, in his beauty, in his glory, and not ours. 
And I don't know about you, but my human nature is not that great. So I wish I'd learned that a bit earlier on. That being led by the Spirit is a gift from God, not a denominational choice. And in his promise in Revelation is if we do that, it says, to everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. And I didn't know whether to share this, but I'm going there, so I'm hoping it is the Holy Spirit. When I went to the London School of Supernatural Ministry to do a talk, going, why are they asking me? This is weird. Someone came up to me and prayed over me and said, God wants to give you a new name. And I was like, thanks. I know he wants to change my personality slightly, but a new name as well, okay. And he gave me this beautiful name. And then I read this and went, oh, maybe that was him. Wow. He wants to give us a new name that nobody knows except the one who receives it. How loving, how beautiful. So we're going to go into a time of response, singing in a minute. But I, we're just going to, the band are going to come and just play quietly while we just allow him to speak into our hearts. What is he trying to say to us? The photograph I forgot to show you was shared by a rugby association this morning on Facebook. And it basically said, look, six weeks, four weeks, two weeks, lifetime ban. How offensive is that? That should be offensive to the world, not just to Jesus. And we're people of Jesus. We're allowing this to happen on our watch, in our day, in our time. This is not like that poor pastor in Burkina Faso. This is in Australia, which is pretty much like us here. A very liberal country moving with the times. Telling us that the Bible is irrelevant. It is not. I wouldn't even be a tenth of the person that I am without the Bible. Because the Bible is his truth. It's his word. So I just want us to just be still. So just be still. Maybe close your eyes. Put the hands out in front of you. Remember, they're still not magic hands. They're just hands that are letting God know you're open to hearing from him now. And we say, Father God, come Holy Spirit. Convict us into our core. What is the thing you have for us today? What is the encouragement you have? What's the thing you want to break off us? What's the boldness you want to pour into us? What's the ministry you have ahead of us based on the thing that we can't not look at? For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.